Good morning and welcome to Church Matters, a place where we ask questions about the life of the church at home, across the street, and around the world. This program is brought to you by Mennonite Church Canada. My name is Janet Plenert. And I'm Dan Dick. And we are your hosts. What can we know for sure about Jesus? The many recent books on the market suggest a strong and renewed interest in Jesus. Some works tackle Jesus as a highly moral man with some good teachings. Others interpret Jesus as a divine messenger from God. Authors use research from historical documents, scholarly works, and archaeological information. In part one of this two-part series, we'll be asking Dr. Tom Yoder Neufeld how we know what we know about Jesus. Tom is Associate Professor of Religious Studies at Conrad Grable University College in Waterloo, Ontario. He's authored several books, is a respected scholar on Jesus, and a speaker in demand. He's also been a Mennonite pastor and a prison chaplain. Even the people living in New Testament times had difficulty understanding Jesus, as we read in Mark 8, 27-30. Just after healing a blind man, Jesus queries his disciples. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he charged them to tell no one about him. Today we've asked Dr. Tom Yoder Neufeld to help us explore who Jesus is and was. Tom is Associate Professor of Religious Studies at Conrad Grable University College in Waterloo, Ontario, and has recently released a new book entitled Recovering Jesus, The Witness of the New Testament. This book won the Best Book Award for Canadian Christian Writing. Welcome here, Tom. Thanks very much, uh, Dan and Janet. I'm uh, pleased to be back in Manitoba, where I was born and where I served as a pastor. So it's great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Tom, there's a lot of Jesus noise out there. Recent books like The Pagan Christ, The Christ Conspiracy, Misquoting Jesus, The Gospel of Judas. Why this seemingly sudden interest in Jesus? Well, Dan, I'm not sure how sudden this new interest really is. I mean, Jesus has been part of our cultural reality for 2,000 years, but I think there are two factors that at least have led to recent uh, surge in publishing books, uh, in making of films, and one of them is that the kind of work that scholars have been doing in their university offices and seminary offices has, has sort of been taken out of um, the privacy of the academy out into the streets. And that leads to a second factor, and that is that um, treating, for instance, the documents of the New Testament as historical documents uh, has led to a kind of uh, conspiracy theory that somehow uh, the church has covered up the real story about Jesus. So a lot of scholars, for instance, have been involved in making their own judgments as to who the historical Jesus is. And when you put that together with some popular books like The Da Vinci Code or Tom Harper's The Pagan Christ, a lot of people think the church has sort of been keeping the lid on the real story on Jesus. Um, so I think that's that's led to at least some of the surge in publication. I think the other big reason is a genuine spiritual hunger 
for which um, Jesus, of course, is a very, very real and important and profound response. With all this talk of conspiracy in the church, this also brings confusion. Now, depending on what one reads, Jesus may be seen as a moral example and a social activist, or the one who died and rose again. Are these really polarized opposites, Tom, or how can we hold these ideas together? That's a a, a great question, and it's very complex. And I think in some ways the New Testament, in fact, plays a bit of a part here. Um, For instance, uh, one of the main writers of New Testament documents was the Apostle Paul, and he wrote specific letters to congregations. And in these letters, Jesus, of course, is very important, but almost nothing in his letters about Jesus teaching things uh, about the deeds he did and so on. It's almost completely focused on Jesus' death and resurrection, on Jesus as Lord, as the one who is coming again. And so uh, Paul speaks of him even as a kind of spiritual presence in which believers participate as what he calls the body of Christ. In recent years, scholars have been particularly interested in those sayings and deeds and, in other words, Jesus' life in Palestine. And they're less interested in the historicity, if I can put it that way, of the kinds of emphases Paul makes. And so a, a kind of wedge has been driven between the emphases that many Christians um, see as more important, which you see in greater degree in Paul, than those in, in the Gospels, which stress the way Jesus talks about the way we live. And so that has led to a kind of division between Jesus, you might say, the social justice and peacemaking activist, versus Jesus, the risen Christ, the Savior of the world, uh, etc., Tom, in the scripture passage we read earlier, as well as in Matthew and Luke, Jesus warns the disciples to keep secret his identity as the Christ. Why do you think that is? It seems to me that if Jesus or the gospel writers had been a little more open, there'd be a lot less confusion today. In my view, the answer to that question is actually closely related to this issue of the Jesus uh, the, the, the risen Christ, the Lord, the one who went to the cross versus the social activist and healer and exorcist, the, that division. Because that was already an issue in the very early years of missionary work. When the followers of Jesus fanned out to spread the gospel of Jesus, they worked in a highly competitive context. And one of the ways that you wanted to get a hearing for Jesus was to say, our Messiah is far stronger and more powerful than the deity you're trying to push. And so that led to a kind of stress on Jesus as a kind of Superman, if I can put it that way, who can fix everybody's problem. And I think if we're honest, we can see that that plays a role even in contemporary, in our own day in evangelism. Jesus, the one who fixes things. And so, for instance, Mark, likely the earliest gospel, never for a moment denies that Jesus healed people that he touched lepers and he healed them, that he drove out demons, that he exercised what are called works of power. Never once. But at a critically important point, 
In exactly the passage in Mark where uh, Jesus asks his followers, who do you think that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. Jesus tells his followers, the Messiah, the Son of Man, I will have to die. And at that point, Peter says, no, that doesn't go with being a Messiah. Messiahs are powerful. Uh, Messiahs fix things. Messiahs raise the dead. Messiahs do not get killed by the empire. They bring empires to an end. The whole notion of a political savior. The whole notion of a... But you see, in the first century, you didn't distinguish between a powerful spiritual savior and a political savior. If Jesus is the Messiah, he's going to change things and he's going to get rid of Roman oppression. And so... At that critical point, Mark, in a sense, warns his readers. You've gotten really excited about Jesus, the one who can make things new, can raise the dead, can heal the lepers, can drive out the the, the demons, even when their name is Legion, which was the name of the Roman imperial forces. That one's going to have to die. And Peter scolds Jesus. And, of course, we know that Jesus turns right around and says, get behind me, Satan. This is a critical point in the story. In other words, Mark is telling us, Uh, In the way he narrates the story of Jesus, beware, don't get too excited yet. The story about who Jesus is as Messiah will fully show itself in the cross. So I think that this thing, this order, don't tell anybody, is a storytelling device on the part of the gospel writer, even though Jesus might well have had to do the same thing in his own time. It's a storytelling device to the reader saying, beware. This is not all there is. The full story of Jesus' messiahship does not lie in his acting like a superman. It will come to full expression in his being the victim of the Roman Empire, and God will raise him. So I think uh, you have to think about the secrecy thing as, in a sense, pointing to a deep, deep um, mystery at the very heart of the Christian gospel. How can someone who comes to solve things land up becoming the victim? And how can that story of Jesus' being killed on the cross become good news for the world? We're still working at that one. That concludes part one of our two-part series on Jesus. Join us again next time for part two. As always, we welcome your comments. You can call us at 1-866-888-6785 or email office at mennonitechurch.ca with your comments, concerns, and suggestions. In the meantime, we invite prayer and financial support for Mennonite Church Canada. To learn more about our work, visit our special projects website at www.healingandhope.ca. There you can donate online, or you can send a gift to 600 Shaftesbury Boulevard, Winnipeg, Manitoba, R3P0M4. Write Church Matters on the envelope. If you are interested in Tom Yoder Neufeld's book, Recovering Jesus, call the Mennonite Church Canada Resource Centre at 1-866-888-6785. My name is Dan Dick. And I'm Janet Plennert. You have been listening to Church Matters, where our prayer is that you will be called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Tune in again at the same time on the third Sunday of the month to hear more about the many ways that church matters. Thanks for joining us.
As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you. The face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the way.